Thanks, Brooke. You can play it anytime you want to. Oh, we're in 1 Corinthians 15, slowly working our way through it. This is the last sermon that I will preach in 1 Corinthians 15. And then we'll move into 1 Corinthians 16. And we'll be in there for a couple years. That's a joke. Not going to happen. Okay, joke, joke. 1 Corinthians 15 today. Uh, we'll be in verses 50 to 58. Have you ever just wanted to give up? Mm-hmm. Thank you, boy. People, people were on that. They didn't laugh at my two years in 1 Corinthians 16 joke. We're like, give up? Oh, yeah, want to give up. We all go through times where we want to give up. We do. I think about a teacher. I've substitute taught from time to time. Uh, and there's been times where the day has not gone well. And I can only imagine when you're a full-time teacher how many times that happens. And the troublemakers are just out in full force. And they're influencing everyone else. All the good kids are become troublemakers too. And you stare at this class, troublemaker, 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 all, all of them troublemakers. And you want to throw your hands up and say, we'll just call today a loss, pick up the pieces, and we'll start again tomorrow. You just want to give up. I think about some people who are in some marriages. Your marriage has been on the rocks for years upon years. You've tried different things. You've gone to counseling. You've taken classes. You've read books, watched videos, and nothing works. And you sit in the couch in your living room staring at a wall, and you just want to give up. We all have times when we want to give up. I think about ministry. Whether you're a pastor like me or you're a member of the congregation, we all do ministry in some sense, in some form. Hopefully, that's what we're doing, ministry in our lives. And You've done a certain ministry. You've had a certain passion year in and year out and nothing seems to change. And what you're doing has borne no fruit, nothing. No new people coming, no new volunteers. It's just been you day in and day out and you're sitting in a stagnant pool of blah and you just want to give up. We all have times when you want to give up. You've said you've been there. I've been there. Boy, have I. I'm about to say some things. I'm about to open up the curtain in the back of the room to a Wizard of Oz illusion again. Sorry, twice in one day. It's been years since I've seen it. I need to see that movie again. What I'm about to say does not mean that I'm planning on leaving this church. Okay? Okay? I'm just trying to be real and open and honest. You're my family. My life is here. I would not dream. I told Maggie this week, you know, I don't think I want to go anywhere else. I love it here. God's doing some amazing things. So what I'm about to say does not mean that I'm leaving. Okay. All right. We're all good with that? We're good. I'm doing what they tell you in preacher school you're never supposed to do. But I do that all the time. I've sat in my office over there at my desk, looking at my computer screen and the books on my wall, and I've wondered what I'm doing. I've wondered why I am doing, and I've wondered how long I need to keep doing. Those questions have gone through my head multiple times, and I've sat there and I've thought, maybe I should just give up at times. I've come up to Saturday night realizing that I had have to preach the next morning And I wished I didn't have to. 
even though that's what you pay me to do, right? More than that, but I wish, because I, I look at Sunday morning sometimes on Saturday nights, and I think about all the effort that I have to go through to preach this sermon, and the emotional pain that I'm in from the beginning of the service until everyone leaves. And sometimes I think, for what result? Why should I do it? Those are the thoughts that go through my head. And there have been times sitting there on Saturday nights, sitting there in my office, and I've wanted to throw up my hands and just give up. You've said you've been there. I've been there. If you've never been there in your life, Lord knows you will. The Corinthians, by their actions, by their beliefs, were giving up. They had thrown in the towel, so many of them, and said the Christian life is not worth living. The holiness that God calls us to is not worth pursuing. And a life of following God, enjoying his mission on this world, is in vain. We're not going to have anything to do with it. So many of the Corinthians said that. At the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes and says that he worries that they are giving up. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-2, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. Corinthians, I'm afraid you're not holding firmly to the word. I'm afraid you're giving up and saying it's not worth it. We're just going to follow the religions and the culture around. We're just going to follow the lives of the culture around. We don't want to follow Jesus anymore. Paul says, I'm afraid that's what you're doing, Corinthians. They were forgetting. They were not holding firm. And so through 1 Corinthians 15, he's reminding them what is true. What do they know? What is the bedrock of their faith? so that hopefully they can get on something that is firm and stand and not give up. In our text today, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, he, tell, he tells them, because of what you know, don't give up. Don't do it. Live right now tenaciously according to what you know. Our text, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58. He says, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the, imper- nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Paul says, don't give up. Don't do it. Before we jump in, will you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are the God of endurance, that you step into our chaotic life when we just want to throw in the towel and say enough's enough and you say here, and you give us the strength for the next mile. 
and give us the strength for the next day. Lord, you are good. And your mercies endure forever. Great is your faithfulness, my Lord and my God. Father, we come to you today to open up your word and to study it. I ask you would give us the understanding that we need. I ask that you would open up not just our minds, but open up our hearts to see your will and to see your ways, and you'd give us the desire to align ourselves with your plan. And you'd give us the guts to stand up and say, I'm far off and I need to change. And you give us the ability to do that. Lord, I ask you'd help us to look at our lives and see where we're apathetic and where your, our desires and priorities have overpowered your own. And you would make us change so that we could stand on the road you've called for us and not give up on it, no matter what happens, but keep going and keep going and keep going. Father, as I'm up here, I ask that I would, dec- that I would decrease and that you would increase. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks, Father. For us not to give up, for us to live tenaciously according to what we know, we must know something. Yes? Okay. I took logic in high school, and that seemed logical for me. When I graduated college, I worked two jobs. I worked at McDonald's from four in the afternoon till about nine at night, and then I worked uh, at another, a manufacturing, I actually went through a temp agency and worked for a company called Highlight, a US block windows company in Pensacola, Florida. And I worked there from seven in the morning to 3.30. And so seven in the morning, 3.30, jump in the bathroom, change my clothes in McDonald's clothes, drive through rush hour traffic to McDonald's, clock in, work until nine. It was a busy summer. It was a fascinating job, this place. They made these things plastic privacy block windows. They were actually one of the first to make these privacy blocks out of plastic. All the rest were these big, heavy bricks of glass. But they these plastic things. I, uh, my job, when I worked there, was to monitor this machine. It was this huge machine. Everyone had their own machines, and they were scattered around this warehouse. And you stood in front of your machine, and it would inject hot molten plastic into this mold cool it, and then kick it off on this conveyor belt, and the person running the machine was supposed to look at the plastic box, trim off the excess plastic, make sure there's no defects in it, put in a pallet. Uh, And once you, they'd train you on it, and every block would come out every five seconds. Five seconds, look at the block, trim the plastic, make sure good, put in the pallet. The more you worked, the faster it would go. By the time I ended that summer, it was kicking out every two and a half, three seconds. Goodness, my, like, my arms were so lean. It was crazy. But they, they trained me on it because that first day, they, I walked up and they showed me this machine. They said, you know what this is? I said, I have no idea. Nothing. It's made of metal. That's all I got. So they had to train me so that I could live according to what I knew. Okay? Same thing here. 
We cannot expect to live according to what we don't know in the Christian life. We must know something in order to live according to it. We can't hold firmly to a cloud of nothingness. Too often Christians try to do that. They try to live their life not learning about their faith. And we wonder why the church in America is the way it is because no one has, they haven't been taught. They have nothing to hold firmly to. So they're, they're floating here and floating there on all the raging of today. And then they turn to that tomorrow because they don't know. Paul reminds the Corinthians what they know. He says the resurrection's coming. We just read it, but 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 57, he says, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory. Everyone say victory. Now say it like you mean it. There you go. Okay. Gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single person who has turned from their sin and their false faiths and turned to Jesus Christ alone for salvation will be changed. The change will either happen on their deathbed or the change will happen when we're resurrected in the rapture. We will be changed. This perishable body will be given an imperishable one and will live forever. That's the truth, the scripture that is told over and over and over again. That's the promise of the gospel. In that day, death and its sting will be done away with. In that day, our victory through Jesus Christ will be realized. In that day, we'll not be subject to the power of death. We'll not be defined by sin. We will enter an eternity of bliss in a place where there's no longer any sin, no longer any pain, no longer any death, nothing that is against the plan, the awesome plan of our creator God. Now, we've talked about eternity the past month over and over and over again because that's what Paul's talked about in 1 Corinthians 15. And you haven't been here for these sermons, you can go back and watch them online and get your whole fill of eternity and the resurrection, what that means. It will be truly an awesome day, a day that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt is coming. Paul calls it our blessed hope because it's assured and it affects us today. That's what we know. That's what we know beyond a shadow of a doubt. That blessed hope, what we know affects how we live. Our blessed hope urges us to not give up. Our blessed hope says instead of giving up, live. Let us live. Paul in Titus says basically the same thing that he says in 1 Corinthians 15. In Titus chapter 2, Paul says, Titus 2, 11 to 14, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for that blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Paul says, don't give up. Live right now, tenaciously, according to what we know. 
according to what we know. The blessed hope is coming, therefore let us live according to it. Now, by the end of the sermon, I expect everyone to have memorized the last verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the last verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, because I'm going to be repeating it over and over and over for the next 20 minutes. Okay? It says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Paul urges the Corinthians, because of what we know, let us live standing firm. Let us live standing firm. That last verse said, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Standing firm, what Paul's talking about there, pertains to what we believe. Pertains to what we believe. Paul refers to this in Colossians chapter 1, verses 22 to 23. Colossians 1, 22 to 23. But now he, speaking of God, has reconciled you, speaking of Christians, by Christ's physical body through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Fact, the resurrection is coming, and the only person who allows someone into the resurrection is the Lord Jesus Christ through faith in him. That is a fact. That is the teaching of the gospel. It is something we stand firm on. We are to be firmly in place on that truth. Last year, for those of you who lived in Neely in the year in, around and you didn't move into the area in the past year, but if you were here in Neely, you lived through a huge windstorm. Battered a whole place. Huge chunks of shingles got lifted off my roof. Another house in the neighborhood, their entire roof just peeled off. My in-laws were watching and what happened went right over, the whole roof peeled off. Huge windstorm. We had a heavy cast iron glider in our backyard that the wind pushed over. Like I could barely lift this cast iron glider by myself. I am weak, but it, is, it was heavy. The wind pushed it over and broke it. it. We couldn't fix it. It was horrible. The one thing that withstood that windstorm was my flagpole. The flag didn't, it popped off, went upside down, the light on top of it broke, but the flagpole itself stayed. I put that flagpole in three feet by two feet of cement. That flagpole ain't moving. A tornado's gonna come through, the whole place, the whole town will be leveled, and the flagpole will be staying. When we are ready to give up on the work of the Lord, we are to plant ourselves firmly on the truth of the gospel, cementing our whole selves, heart, mind, everything, saying, this is what I know, and I'm going to firmly place my faith on it. I'm not going to waver from it because this, everything else I might not be sure about, but this is what I know. So when storms of life come, when discouragements attack, when it feels like the work we're doing is useless, when other things in life pop up and say, that's more important, we say, no, no, I know 
the gospel. I know the resurrection because of the gospel. This is my foundation. Nothing else. Nothing else. That foundation, if we say this is our foundation and we cement ourselves in it, it'll affect our conversations with others. It'll change it completely. It'll affect our time priorities. What we do and what we say is most important in our calendar. It'll affect how we react to farming or ranching timelines. It'll affect uh, how, how our, the pull to serve our work or to exalt our family over Christ. It'll affect that and totally reverse everything. It affects whether we will be willing to stay the course and not give up on the calling that God has placed in our life. Paul says don't give up. Don't give up. Instead, live standing firm. He tells the Corinthians, he urges them, don't give up. Instead, live immovable. Immovable. The word immovable is intricately related to standing firm. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. He says, let nothing move you. Be immovable. Standing firm is, is from our perspective. It's relating to our action. Will we move off of the foundation or not? We remain firmly in the gospel. We're standing firm. Immovable is related to someone else's perspective or action, how they influence us. Consider the passage in Colossians again. He says in Colossians 1, to 23, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard uh, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. There we go. Under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Established and firm. Continue with faith, established and firm, relates to the word steadfast. Immovable is do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Those, that's the correlation, the parallel that's going in the passage. It's been a long time since I've asked for a volunteer. So, un- unfortunately, you know, Brooke, you said that song you, you sing, that the person's never there. Well, when I ask for a volunteer, there's certain people that I know learn through doing things, and they're never here when I do it. But that's okay, we're still gonna do it. I need a volunteer. Shannon, thank you for volunteering. Yeah, please come up. You haven't been here when I've done volunteers at this church. So this is Shannon Arduzer. He's camp director at Camp Assurance. I got to go and teach two years, two years, two weeks. Seemed like two years. No, I'm joking. Uh, And he's a great guy, always encouragement. So thank you for being willing to come up and volunteer to this. Uh, I like to voluntold people, as people know. So if you don't sign up on the county fair sheet, this is what's going to happen to you. <laughs> Do you feel strong? Uh, not, not super strong. Not super strong. Do you feel stronger than me? Say yes. Oh, yes. Okay, good. Thank you. Okay. I want you to look strong. Okay? Perfect. Now I want you to cement yourself down. Okay? You're not going to move. You're standing firm, all right? Okay. So often, we live in a world that is trying to push us off the foundation that we're standing on. They come up to us and they say, you know what? There's other ways to eternity. 
You know, there's other religions that are out there. They all basically say the same thing with just little things here and there and there. You know, Jesus isn't the only way. And they come and they try to push us off. Oh, good job. And so when people come and try to push you off and say there's other ways to eternity, Jesus isn't the only way, we say no. Say no. No. Thank you. Say it with feeling. Jesus is the only way. There you go. The Bible says that salvation is by Christ alone. Through Christ alone, there is no other way under heaven by which man might be saved. Well, people might come up and say, oh, yeah, you know, I understand. Jesus is great. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is awesome. But what about good works? You know, we can have Jesus, but we can do these good works too. And my good works will bring me up to heaven. They'll make God happy with me. Yes, so they come up and they push us. This is a lot of fun. Am I giving you a bruise yet? I think I'm okay. You think you're okay? So what do you say to these people? No. 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 Salvation is by grace alone, not by works. Here's a verse for you. Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 to 9. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have always already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. It's a sobering passage. But these people who are trying to move us off of the foundation that salvation is by Christ alone, through faith alone, so grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, there we go. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And they're trying to move us off of that, they're preaching a false gospel. And God says they're under my curse, which is a sobering, sobering thing. We can't let it. We can't let anyone move off of this foundation. They come up and say, you know what? You don't need to follow the Bible. The Bible has all these standards, all these rules, all these things of holiness, and it's just ruining your style. You could be doing so many other things. Your dreams that you want to have, if you just lowered your standard a bit, You'll be able to follow it. And they try to move you off. You're getting really good at that. <laughs> what do you say? God, the way is the only way. Right? No! No, I'm going to stand firm on this. I know eternity is coming, and I'm going to live what will be right now. I'm going to affect, allow that to affect my everyday life. Christ did so much for me. He died on the cross for my sins gave me a relationship with him, why would I not want to turn and follow him in love? I'm not going to lower my standard. This is his love lover for me. So they come up to you and they say, well, okay, so that's great, but why are you spending so much time in church? Why are you doing it? You could be doing so many other things like sports and your grades are going to suffer and if you're really tired, you should just sleep in one Sunday. Why are you spending so much time giving to this thing? You can just have church at home and do all that sort of thing and try to push you off. You're getting better every single time. What do you say? Don't forsake the gathering yourselves together. It's the habit of some, but all the more as you see the day approaching. Exactly. Boy, you're awesome. You say No! <laughs> He says it more eloquently than me. <laughs> no, not going to do it. Another verse. You did a great one. Philippians 3, 7 to 8. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. 
yes, you might say all these things in the world are great to pursue, but my pursuit is Christ. And therefore, yes, I'm going to prioritize coming and spending time with him and his family every week. And more than that, I'm going to prioritize spending time with him every day because he is worth more than everything else you could offer me. We say no. We are immovable, not allowing anything to push us off our... There you go. Thank you. Give him a hand. You're a great sport, Shannon. You spent two weeks at Camp Assurance, brother. Did you know you were going to get into that? He had no idea. The world is constantly going to come against us to leave our secure foundation and to follow the gods of this world and the religious documents of the world and the desires of the world and the priorities of the world, to leave our faith and belief of Jesus Christ, to change our actions because of our belief. And they can be very convincing. They can be very convincing, using everything against us, which is why Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 6, and which is why this was our VBS topic for this year. Ephesians 6.13, therefore put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. If the resurrection is true, we will live standing firm, immovable. Paul says, don't give up. Don't do it. Don't give up on your beliefs. Don't give up on your actions based on your beliefs. Don't give up. Instead, live, he says, with 100% focus. 100% focus. Our passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. I'll let you read it. I'll start you off, then I'm going to stop and you keep reading it. Therefore, Awesome. You could come up and preach this, right? Paul says for the Corinthians to always give themselves fully to the work of the Lord. Do you know what the word always means? It does, always, at all times, every time. You can put all sorts of things. I don't want to beat this concept to the ground, but sometimes we forget what the word always means. Goodness knows I do. This word is used for Jesus' intercession for us in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, a very comforting word. It says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus always lives to intercede for us. That's very comforting. I don't know about you, but it's comforting that Jesus is up there. He is always interceding on our behalf. It is. How would we like it? If we got a note in the mail one day that said, hey, dear Peter, I'm tired today and Satan is really scaring me. So I'm taking a day off and I'm not going to intercede for you. You're on your own. Love Jesus. I felt very like heretical when I was writing this. But it'd be uncomfortable. We look at them and we say, hey, Jesus, you said you were always going to intercede for us. And if you, if you stop one day, you're not doing it always. And plus, you'd be stopping the work that you said you were going to be doing. That makes you a liar, and that's just uncomfortable. So don't do it. And so we get another letter. Dear Peter, yeah, but always doesn't have to be always, does it? I mean, it's not for you either. Love Jesus. I'm grateful that Jesus never writes that. When he says he's always doing something, he is always, at all times, doing it. He never gives up on his work. He is always giving himself fully to it. Now he turns to us, holds out his hand, 
and says, join me in that focus. I am always working on your behalf. Join me in doing it. If we are standing firm on the truths of the gospel and the realization of the resurrection, not let anyone move us out of that foundation, we are immovable, either in our belief or our action, that is going to change the focus of our life. Instead of our life being about getting through the day, checking items off our list, keeping our kids in line, avoiding that certain conversation with our spouse, etc., 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 our life, if we are standing firm and immovable, is about the work of God then. If we truly say we believe this, and if we're truly not allowing this world to push us off this foundation, our focus is going to be on the work of God because everything else in life pales in comparison. Jesus said this, what worth is our life? What worth is it if we've gained the whole world and yet lost our soul? A related question is, what worth is our life if we have done everything we wanted to in this life, but the next we stand before the judgment seat of God and he looks at us and says, what have you done for me? How did you join me in the work that I was doing in Antelope County? How did you join me in the work that I was doing in your town? And the work that I graciously asked you to join in? What have you done? And we stand there ashamed with empty hands because that which was important, we turned our focus off of. And we lived for all that stuff that's been burned away now in eternity. What use is our life? If we stand firm and movable in the gospel, on the resurrection, we will have 100% focus to make that our passion. The work of Christ will go on. He has asked me to join in because the lost are dying all around us. And so I am to always give myself fully to that work. I know the gospel is true. I know the resurrection is coming and therefore that is my focus. That is my passion. That is my priority. And unfortunately, it has not been. I stand here ashamed. As I was working on this sermon, I was reflecting back over the past few months, and I realized that though God has been convicting me about it, it has not been my 100% focus. It hasn't. It's affected how I've preached. It's affected how I've taught people. It's affected my conversations with people in the church. But during the week out in the community... When, when I'm interacting with people, it hasn't been my 100% focus. It hasn't been. I make so many excuses to forget the always and the fully. And I ask your forgiveness for that. And I ask you to join me in the repentance of that. That we as a church would say, no, this is my focus. I will pick up this charge and I will live with the mission of God between my eyes. I, I am starting to pray every day, God, give me a spiritual conversation today. And he's been answering that. And I ask you to join me in that prayer, that we as a church would have that focus. That's why we have our county fair ministry, because we need to have the focus of reaching the community with the love and glory of God. 
That's why we have our nursing home and Willow's ministry, because we have to have that focus. That's why we have our prayer meeting Wednesday nights. Keep that focus continually in front of our eyes. We need each other to help each other with that focus as we remain standing firm and immovable. It's not enough to say, yes, I believe the truth if it has not affected our lives and how we interact with the culture around us. It's not enough. Paul says, don't give up. Don't do it. Keep that 100% focus and do it with confidence. Do it with confidence. Let's read the passage together in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When we are standing firm, immovable on the truth of the gospel and our responsibilities to it, when we live with that 100% focus on doing the work of the Lord, our labor is not in vain. That's what Paul says. We can have confidence in our lives because our life has meaning and worth, which means the opposite is true. When we do not live with 100% focus on doing the work of the Lord, all the things we are filling our time with has no meaning. That's the truth of the scripture. All the things that are not tied to the work of the Lord is in vain. We can be the most successful athlete in the world, but if we are not doing the Lord's work through it, our success is nothing. We might have a full bank account. We might have a successful farm or a ranch. But if we're not doing the Lord's work, everything we have done is empty. Solomon wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2. He says, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Everything in this life is empty. This wise man tried everything in this world that can bring happiness to purpose. Everything the culture has said, oh, follow this, follow this, follow this everything, fill in the blank, he tried it and he found out that everything was meaningless, empty, vain. Everything in this world, except for one thing. He writes in Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. He says, remember the creator. And when you do, Ecclesiastes 12.13, now all that has been heard, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. There's joy that comes when we say to God, my life is yours, and I want to have 100% focus on that work. When I'm at my job, I want my focus to be on your working for your kingdom. When I'm with my kids, I want my focus to be, all my interactions be colored with what you are doing in their soul. When I'm on the farm handling my finances, dealing with my spouse, volunteering in the community, I want eternity to color everything. I want your mission to color everything, God. And when we have that focus, there is a joy, there's a satisfaction, there's a peace that is not found in anything else in life. We have confidence that what we're doing is worthwhile. It is not in vain, even if we don't see the fruit, even if we're going through so much pain, even if everything is chaos, if we are doing the work of God, it brings peace and joy. And when we feel like giving up, that is a signal that we have forgotten our focus. We have placed our priorities, our fulfillment in something other than the work of the Lord. We have to come back to God. Take a moment, repent, reassess, refocus. Paul says, don't give up. Don't do it. Live right now tenaciously according to what we know. Live standing firm, immovable, with 100% focus and with confidence.
Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are the God who chooses to work through us. Even though we are weak people who often lose our focus, we're weak people who often make excuses to not stand firm on your truth. We're weak people who say that our priorities and our desires, our timeline is better than your own. We're weak people that say we're more concerned by being happy than by fulfilling your call. Lord, forgive us of those things. Forgive us as a church of the times that we are apathetic and we say that we are too busy to step up and do your mission. Father, forgive me when I do that too. I ask that you would help us as your people to stand up and say, I want to be used by you. Father, make us usable. Give us a passion that will not die out, a focus that will not turn. Lord, a confidence to stay up, stand up and say, you are our God, there is no other, and I want the world to know it. And give us an opening in our community to bring that message and cause it to cry out loud. Thanks, Father. Amen.